You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. This podcast is supported by brilliant, liberation-minded people who are actively challenging privilege and power in their relationships with children and education. We hang out over at patreon.com forward slash Akila. Send in love and gratitude to this week's patrons, Zoe and Amber. Thank you so much and welcome to the Fair the Free Child community. If you are listening and not a member of that community, head over to patreon.com forward slash A-K-I-L-A-H. Make a monthly donation of as little as $1 per month or a one-time donation in any amount. Welcome to episode 93. Get details at raisingfreepeople.com forward slash nine three. I move this letter of support to today because it feels particularly timely. There's this quote, this statement that I've been seeing reposted all over Instagram and <laughs> I'm so here for that. Julie Bogart, I believe that she's a homeschooling coach. She has this um, thing out. It says, you have one job to create an environment that supports the growth of your unique children into the people they are destined to be. Julie goes on to say, it's not your job to prove that homeschooling works. It's not your job to make sure your children outperform their public school peers. Some other good shit in between, and then it ends. The reputation of homeschool does not depend on you, and closes out with a focus on children. So I love that this is showing up everywhere. This is a conversation that I have pretty much weekly, and as I said, I'm here for it. I agree with it, and we really need to practice shifting our focus away from the naysayers and over to our children because they're the ones who need our support and even our protection at times from our societies. I guess not just our society, our society and our support systems tendency to want to like stay with standardization, whatever that looks like, to stay with the familiar thing, which is school, even when our society and our support systems fucking see that school isn't working for so many children. So yes, I agree with Julie on this, but y'all, but <laughs> as much as I would love for us to be like, this is what I'm doing. If you're not like it, uh, the reality is that it's not always that cut and dry. We can't always do that for one main and major reason. <laughs> and today's letter of support is centered on that reason and people whose realities reflect that reason. After letter three, you'll hear a short piece from Romaine Sinclair, brilliant young man who is in month five of a program called Praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S. It's a six-month training based on the premise that the college degree is dead and what young folks need is life experience, all right? So one of our community members over on Patreon Adrian, shout out to my patrons. I love y'all. Adrian asked me if I knew anything about Praxis. And I've mentioned the program before here on the podcast, but 
Now I have more details because Romaine is immersed in it. And I'm looking forward to sharing his perspectives. He's also my cousin, not my play cousin, like our parents are siblings. <laughs> so he has an extra special place in my heart, and I'm really delighted to share his perspective. And you can get details on this six-month training program at discoverpraxis.com. in support of people raising free people. Dear you, have you been dodging and weaving through those incessant questions about socialization and college and structure and test scores? Yeah, I'm familiar. (laughs) Folks who homeschool can often at least take solace in that they can wield a curriculum wand, right? And ward off many of the people who are concerned about the well-being of a child who isn't in school. But for those of us who choose self-directed education in ways that do not include curriculum or any of the schoolishness we survived, the terrain can be much tougher to manage. This decision to choose natural learning over coercive schooling in its many forms is not easy, and the choice itself comes with so much more than figuring out how to manage people's expectations and ideas around children and learning. As if that isn't enough, (laughs) it also comes with plenty of personal shedding and sorting. As you continue learning about your child and learning about how learning actually happens, And as you start to have more room to be with your actual thoughts and to think for yourself, you begin to realize some things. For many of us, one of those realizations is that our own deliberate self-care is going to be critical to our child's capacity to thrive. If you're involved in self-directed education, you might already be realizing how much your approach to parenting has been influenced by outside opinions, which comes in in an unhealthy way as part of a lack of a good self-care routine or practice. And one of the ways that it shows up in terms of this unhealthy aspect of outside influence, the adult gaze. It's less of a gaze and more of a glare or like a stink face really, but (laughs) let's call it a gaze here. It's that gaze that questions why you let your child speak in anger instead of shutting it down like a responsible parent. That gaze that questions why you accept your child saying no to something instead of making them do it. That gaze that tells you that unschooling is some white people shit that can't work for black folks or native folks or Latinx folks because we got to be twice as impressive to get half a seat at the table or that a white kid can afford to say no to college or opportunities that our kids can't, so we got to fit into the system, then later pave our own way. Yeah, those gazes, those eyes, those concerns, those things that ain't exactly based in lies, right? You start to see when you choose self-directed education that so much of your parenting has been informed by those things leaving your actual child and their needs and assertions way down low on the list of things that influence your parenting. And so it becomes important 
that we recognize that the people and opinions that we're focused on are getting in the way of our capacity to show up fully with listening ears and curious hearts and discerning minds for our children. And as we recognize this, we begin to shift. This work arranges you. You start seeing that you can't serve both things well. You cannot focus on what people are thinking while you focus on your children and living and learning with them. So it feels empowering to get the sort of cosmic permission, whether it's through something you hear or read, to stop focusing on people's opinions and focus much more on what you aim to do. Focus much more on supporting that decision to raise a young person without coercion and without whitewashed everything disguised as education. Also, for many of us, there's a realization that we need to shift out of some relationships, some circles or some one-on-one situations that need to be shed. We realize that the stress of being in those spaces that used to serve us is no longer worth the thing that used to feel like rewards. Sometimes that shedding, that shifting out of that space is easy. You leave the group. You stop talking to the person on the phone so often. You say no to that meetup. Sometimes it's easy like that. Other times, it's not so easy. And I know this from my own lived experience, but I also know it because my community shares this with me all the time. And the main reason is community. Some of us who choose this path, we rely on community. We rely on our support systems to help us raise our children. So their opinions matter, namely because sometimes their disagreement with our choices can mean that they pull back their support. Some of us live in community with others upon whom we rely for transportation, for food, for financial support, and to maintain friendships that are valuable to our children. So while it is the truth that it's not your responsibility to convince your mother or father about the choice that you make for your own child, if you rely on that person to pay for the art classes that your daughter loves or to take your son to dance class twice a week, then their opinions and concerns are relevant in your life and in your child's life. Is this fair? (laughs) Should the support be about your child and not about your choices? Hell yeah. But is that the reality? Nah, not always. Sometimes when the other adults around us question our choices, we don't have in that moment the means or the design of our support system doesn't facilitate us simply deciding to not focus on the ones who might need to understand it a bit. So what do we do then? How do we prioritize a focus on our children and our choices when that focus can often be misconstrued in ways that tear at the foundation of our ability to raise a child with the resources and realities that we aim to tap into? Well, While we must accept that it is absolutely not our job to convince anyone that this works, we can convey some of the rationale and the research even around this option so that the people who will be a regular part of your child's life can educate themselves instead of being an obstacle to your children and their self-directed lives. Self-directed.org self-directed.org is the place to go for 
clarity around self-directed education from the broad to the specific. The site itself is filled with details and then the magazine associated with it's called Tipping Points. It'll give you vast and varied perspectives on how this is lived and studied and supported in households, in larger communities, in formal spaces, in informal spaces, and everything in between. Then you've got the forums. Y'all have heard me talk about those forums before on the podcast. It's where you can have group discussions or individual conversation about any self-directed education question that your mind can conceive. There's a newsletter, a Facebook page, plenty of good shit to keep people busy (laughs) if they really want to know what's popping in SDE. You can just send them over to that resource. And then when you get that specific question about whether we could do it as black folks, people of color, because we don't have that lottery ticket called white privilege, then you send them to another site, raisingfreepeople.com. This podcast turned my main site into a space where we hold weekly community gatherings in the form of this podcast, episode after episode followed by voice memos and emails and then local in-person collaborations towards a new normal. So you can listen to the episodes. You can direct folks to the ones that address your support system's main concerns and then tell them to keep listening, to keep researching, and to also observe. Not question your children, but to observe them. And I talk a lot about that on the podcast. So direct them to this space. Let them know that you're recommending the very same thing that you yourself are doing, reading, discerning, observing, listening. Remind them to busy themselves with that instead of focusing on your child and questioning them or you. Remind them that if they're directly questioning your child, then they're interrupting your child's ability to build and sustain those self-trust skills that will allow them to thrive. Dear you. I know these options won't work in every situation, but it's a direction to consider, an option to test out, a place to start that doesn't involve you spending your time trying to assert what has been stated and restated in places to which you can just point your people, print shit out if you need to, bombard their asses with tipping points articles. And as you shift their attention to the information and away from your child, remember to bring your focus back to your child as well, because they're going to need to know how to handle these well-meaning family and friends probing and fears shaped as questions. You know what I mean? Your children are going to need to know how to handle this too. It is not your job to prove or validate unschooling or agile learning or Something with no labels besides just living and loving and trusting in partnership with children. It's not your job. But there will be instances, though, where you will want to convey, not convince anybody, but convey the rationale around your and your child's choice. When we transitioned out of school-focused living over to self-directed education, over to unschooling, Chris and I eventually realized that we needed literally out of our mouths to say to our daughters that they too were not responsible for convincing anybody that they were learning anything. Tell your children that they don't have to answer questions. We reminded Marley and Sage of their option to say, ask my parents 
We told them that. We told them also that they could say nothing when somebody asked them what they learned today. I know I gave them permission to talk about things other than things that the adults might see as educational. I even suggested that they ask people what they learned today and shift the conversation towards that. It's whatever you and your children decide, but I'm just reminding you that y'all get to decide. Dear you, there will be times when it feels important to stand out loud in your choice to de-school from conventional education. Your support system might include people who want to get it or people who just need some help to jumpstart their own de-schooling process. So, while we must accept that it is absolutely not our job to convince anyone that this works, we can convey some of the rationale and research around this option so that the people who will be a regular part of your child's life can educate themselves instead of being an obstacle to your children and their self-directed lives. Turn your attention towards your child and also towards yourself. Remember that the experiences that led you to this decision are important and valid. Practice the self-care that you need to put in place to support yourself through the things that come with choosing to veer away from what society has deemed valid. Give the other adults work to do while you and your children do the work y'all need to do to practice and contribute to learning that supports us in raising free people. Get details and related links for this week's show at raisingfreepeople.com forward slash nine three. Remain Sinclair here, and I graduated college about two and a half years ago, almost three years, and I've been partaking in practice for the past five months. It's been a really great experience as far as the community of people, the mentors, just having their resource to work with and uh, just learn, learn the ins and outs, similar to unschooling, where you're relearning how to learn and an effective way to go about it and building your personal brand and the importance of creating value for yourself. Just the society as it is, just having that value creation mindset is something I've definitely learned throughout my uh, five months of working with practice. Pretty much after I graduated college, I got the opportunity to work in corporate America. And I thought it was something, of course, you know, being in college, that's what you work towards, right? Getting a job in corporate America to get that high salary job. But for me and my experience, I found that it wasn't what I was looking for. Doing a job that I didn't really enjoy, don't really enjoy, and just seeing just one a different way, just a different way to maximize my time and pursue other interests. And so that's how I've been involved with practice and why it's been beneficial for me. It's like helping me establish my personal brand and figuring out how to create value for myself, which is a very important mindset to have uh, in today's society that I believe every young professional needs to know how to create value for themselves, and many don't. And so practice has been an important catalyst for me as far as helping me to understand. The major difference from, I would say, a school environment and practice is the acceptance of failure. Uh, in school, it's looked down upon if you fail a class, fail a subject, fail a test. In practice, it's a part of the process. It's an understanding that it's okay to fail. Um, it's part of how you learn. 
And so this, this goes back to just, again, relearning how to learn and creating a value for yourself. Cause many times going to college and everything, but the difference is I wasn't really applying what I learned in the classroom to a real world experience. That's also a major key. Even over the past five months, everything I've done as far as delivering real work is tying into my personal brand. And to have that tangible thing to say, okay, uh, this is actually for my personal brand is actually working to help establish that brand. Throughout four years of college, compared to five months of practice, I feel like the benefit of practice definitely outweighs the four years. It's also a huge mindset change because in college, you're thinking you want to go get a job. Being in a position where, okay, I am, in, again, I'm in corporate America, I do have that job and realizing it's not necessarily what I want to do or what I'm looking to do as a professional. So having the change your mindset to think that, oh, well, maybe I can step out and do things a little bit differently. Having that community in practice definitely helps because it showcases these individuals who aren't just saying it, they're actually doing it and it helps to connect. So as far as uh, the apprenticeship program that, that they have at practice, I feel that it's very, it's a really good one. Um, one of the things that they do for accountability is do you have a mentor? Mine is Hannah Frankman. And, uh, supposed to email her every day, which is important because that helps to be consistent for one. What you email every day is like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, what did you work today? And there's also on the website where you log that as well. Like, so it's called a non-zero day. Like, what did you do to make today a non-zero day? And so I wouldn't say there's pressure, but there's definitely like, you, you don't want to miss a day and not submit something. So it's encouraged to every day submit whatever, no matter how little it is or how much you did. The sharing that that's really good as far as the mentorship is concerned. One of the other things that they encourage as well is like learning out loud. And to many that can kind of be scary, but it's good to push yourself to just show your work, what you've been working on and just learning out loud, right? Just showing your mistake. And again, that's part of encouraging failure or working through failure, working past failure, not letting that, not letting that stop you or be a barrier. And that's one of the coolest things about the program is that they definitely have a really good mentorship. People, advisors, I should say, that you can reach out to at any time. Just go on the website, schedule that meeting through Zoom, and uh, they're there. Definitely helps. For me, what's been really cool about the program as far as learning is just figuring out how I learn and also having goals. So before, they always say if you don't have goals, you really, you really don't know what you're aiming for. So throughout the program, that's one thing that they established through every every chat or Zoom, let's say, meeting we have, the advisor just goes over your your program goals again to see if it still aligns with what you're looking to do and to see if the program is actually helping you to obtain your goals. That's something that I found or I find very helpful as far as having that mentorship. That's key. It sounds like you don't feel judged and you don't feel like, you know, it's about getting an A or getting the best, whatever. It feels like it really is about like you as a person. You're getting to know yourself. You've mentioned a few times how you learn. You're getting to learn how you learn. So it feels like a very personal journey that you can apply to your professional self. Absolutely. Um, this, it's definitely something I can apply to myself and how I learn. It's one of the biggest takeaways. I, I never really, I don't know if I ever even knew how Remain learned or what were best for me, but I do throughout this program, let's learn how to consume content is a major thing. And yeah, I, I don't feel judged at all. Whether, <laughs> 
whether uh, my project came out the best or if it's, you know, compared to anyone else, I definitely just work and make sure I'm doing the best that I can do. And I look to top my own best. That's key because everyone is at a different stage as far as their development, as far as whatever, whatever it is that they're doing, whether you can build a website or not, or whether you're a writer or you're not a writer. Um, but just looking to get better every, each and every day, being consistent is one of the biggest takeaways, but I definitely, it's an environment. It's a, it's a judge for your environment there. So they pretty much encourage making mistakes and then working through the mistakes versus in high school or college where again, you fail a test. Of course, that's a negative thing. You fail a class again. That's a negative thing. It's a major difference compared to that school environment. So that as we close out. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely a cost for the program and it's absolutely worth it compared to what you would get in college or what you would pay for college for those coming out straight out of high school. Hands down, if you're looking to take that change, take that step in the right direction, uh, it is a cost, but it is worth it for what you get in return and what you can use the skills for moving forward and the resources they provide you with even after you complete the program as well. So again, having all those resources, having that community, for those who actually go to the businesses and apprentice with these different businesses, that's that's really a great, great asset, great value. So I definitely believe it is worth it. Thanks for listening to Fair the Free Child podcast. Like the show? Then show your love or give your feedback at AkilaSRichards.com. Fair of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves, owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity, creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces, breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. It's about parenting. It's about self-directed education, loving. It's about learning. 